Before we start, please note, this episode contains explicit themes covering details of sexual harassment and assault. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. In 2009, Michelle Renee Gregory, Associate Professor of Sociology at York College of the City University of New York, published a journal article that examines male socialization in the advertising industry. Men engage in male-only networking, socializing, and behaviors that sexualize or marginalize women as a way to build camaraderie with one another. In this study, these behaviors were most common among white, middle-class, heterosexual males and they negatively impacted all women and ethnic working-class disabled gay men. When men align with other men who hold positions of power, they're better able to access the privilege associated with that power. This includes things like having direct access to high-profile people, job opportunities, high-profile assignments, and rewards at work. Homosocial behaviors provide men with ways to develop relationships with other men in positions of power to their benefit. There are many ways these behaviors show up in workplaces, but they tend to result in employees tolerating and even accepting bullying, sexual harassment, discrimination, and exclusionary behaviors. Organizational banter is a great example of this, and it generally includes verbally attacking colleagues under the guise of joking to maintain dominance over others. It also involves making sexist jokes or derogatory comments based on people's identities that diminish a person's self-esteem and perceived value. When leaders remain silent, they sanction these behaviors, which also validates the people who engage in them. And this can create an entire workplace culture that is hostile towards women. A good example of this is the craft brewing industry. In May of this year, NPR reported that Brianne Allen, a brewery worker, went to Instagram to complain about sexual harassment in her workplace. And what happened was that thousands of other women and a few men chimed in with their stories, including offhand rude comments, sexual violence, sexual harassment, as well as racism from owners and superiors. The craft brewing industry is now being forced to reckon with sexism, racism, and sexual assault allegations. On today's episode, we're joined by founder and executive director of Infinite Ingredient, Katie Moogley, who's been in the hospitality industry for over 20 years, with five of those years specific to the craft beer industry. Katie founded Infinite Ingredient to actively support the mental and physical well-being of individuals working in the craft beverage industry through outreach, education and access to resources. Katie's going to share her story with us and reflect on the Me Too movement and its ripples through the craft beer industry. This has been kind of like a revival of a Me Too movement of sorts. So we saw in 2018 when that was kind of unfolding and it was just kind of this, like the beer industry itself has always kind of had this like kind of little bubble around it as though it's like this little neverland. Obviously that was happening, but it seemed like it was happening in a different universe. 
And this past spring, it really kind of came to roost in the brewing industry when Brianne Allen, her Instagram handle now infamously known as Rat Magnet, posed the question of what sexist comments have you experienced? And all of a sudden, like this just landslide of responses came in that started off as, oh, hey, sweetheart, can you grab me this? Or kind of these generalized experiences. And then really started to kind of open up as she began to share these responses anonymously, people really started to share their own stories. And there were stories that came through involving sexual assault. There were stories that came through involving rape from either coworkers or peers in the industry at festivals or events or tap rooms. And it really, really kind of shook the industry this past spring and and kind of unearthed and brought everyone back down from this Neverland existence to, oh my God, this is real. And this is happening in our communities and in our breweries. And there is no spot that is untouched. You know, the stories that were coming in were from across the United States. They were from all over the world. And the response initially was a little bit of shock because the beer industry is really good at keeping their head in the sand when it comes to certain things. And this was something that people couldn't look away from. So anytime discussions about safety and equality, equity for employees has come up, it's generally, this is nice and maybe we'll get to that. But this was something that, you know, really kind of forced a hard look at like the reality of this is not that the beer industry is always thought to be this super fun and like hip and just absolutely wonderful kind of playland. And in reality, it kind of showed this nightmarish underbelly and other side to it that exists if you are anyone who is an other in the industry. And that includes basically anyone who's not a cis, white, able-bodied white man. By sharing our stories, we come to realise just how common experiences of sexual harassment and assault really are. According to the National Sexual Violence Research Centre, across the USA, one in five women is subjected to rape or attempted rape in their lifetime. And the statistics on the prevalence of sexism and sexual discrimination more broadly are also stark. Research finds that roughly 64% of all women encounter negative gender norms, like microaggressions associated with having to provide more evidence of competence and having their judgment questioned. This impacts all women, and some women more than others. Black women are more likely than other women to have their competence and capability questioned. Similarly, lesbian women, bisexual women, and women with disabilities are more likely to face increased exposure to discriminatory and demeaning comments related to their personal characteristics. The marginalisation is compounded. Here Katie shares with us her own experiences as a white woman working in the brewing industry. My first job in the brewing industry was working at a brew pub in 2009-2010 when I was in graduate school and I was super excited to be part of the industry and was kind of making this jump from like bar and restaurant to, you know, brew pub that's making their own and I was really excited to learn and be part of that and very quickly started dealing with some really severe sexual harassment from one of the managers there. And 
for a while, I put my head down and kind of towed the company line of like, that's just how he is. And after several months of that really started to grate on me and I started to push back on it and brought concerns to management, brought concerns to ownership. And that was met with a conversation that ended in the solution being that we should try and get along and that the onus was on both of us to try and work this out. And that there basically was like no agreement in the fact that this person like touching and grabbing and tickling and throwing arms around people's shoulders. That was what he did in his words. That's how he was raised. And I put in my notice shortly after and started experiencing like he came to my new workplace that he knew that I was at. I found a note on my car that I never was able to prove that was from him and was really, really traumatized by what had happened. And what no one knew at that time was that I was a sexual assault survivor. So being treated like that the whole time I was there to me was like this imminent threat of like, that is where this is going to go. And that is where this is going to end up. So I tried to file charges through the Minnesota Department of Human Rights and got buried by their lawyer and actually recently dug up the documentation from it and read through and the pushback that came from that business and their lawyer was that it was okay because he did it to the men too. I've kind of put my head down and went back to serving and bartending, finished grad school, did all of that. And that experience always haunted me and really kind of set me up for being able to make sure that in environments that I would put myself in the future, making sure, being able to spot that straight away and just make sure that I'm in an environment that's a little bit safer. And so getting back into the beer industry, actually, when I started back again in 2016, was a really difficult decision because I knew that I would be putting myself on the radar of this business owner and this man who had harassed me and I had tried to speak up. And so I was still scared. And I still, to this day, like talking right now about it, I'm still scared of retaliation from them. I'm still scared that they will come after me for speaking up. While most people in workplaces struggle to condemn these behaviors, women are more likely to speak out than men. Research finds that women link the barriers to their advancement with masculine cultures and discriminatory treatment, such as behaviors that result in male favoritism, stereotyping, and negative attitudes towards women. It's not that men don't want to speak up. In fact, many men would welcome the change. But studies find that men feel like they should remain silent. For example, a 2008 study by researchers Isabel Metz from the University of Melbourne and Alan Simon from the University of Western Australia found that both men and women executives felt their organisational culture had been built by and for men, given that it encouraged conformity, command and control leadership, a lack of work-life balance and short-term thinking, with a focus on profits over people. However, both men and women described this environment as mean-spirited and out-of-date, but men felt pressure to remain silent because they feared being ostracized or bullied. In many ways, it can be career suicide for men to share personal difficulties or challenge the status quo. The impact 
impact has been a lot of places, as this was kind of first unfolding in May, a lot of places saying, this isn't what we stand for. This isn't the industry that we want. There was a lot of social media posting and we stand in solidarity with Rap Magnet and with the people who have shared their stories. And we stand in solidarity with survivors. And that now is really starting to show, okay, it's been a couple of months. What have people been doing? It hasn't been adding up. The words and the actions are not adding up. There have been a handful of different industry-wide collaboration beers that have happened. So like post the campfire in 2018, Sierra Nevada did a resilience IPA that over 1,400 breweries participated in to raise funds for rebuilding after the wildfires. After George Floyd's murder, there was Black is Beautiful that was put on by Weathered Souls. And they had over 1,200 breweries that participated and were asked to donate 100% of proceeds to different organizations that support equity and inclusion work. And following this movement, Brianne Allen, who is the one who ignited it, and Asha Elliott from Women of the Bevolution started Brave Noise, which is this industry-wide collaboration that really put accountability at the forefront. So in order to sign up for this, a brewery has to submit the nonprofit that they're going to be donating to, and that will be vetted from a list that exists. And if they want to submit a new nonprofit, it will be vetted by Brave Noise team. And they also need to submit a code of conduct. And since this industry-wide collaboration was announced in early July, there have only been 116 breweries worldwide that have signed up and 94 in the U.S. And so to me, what that says is that this little bit of upfront ask for accountability and trying to start and like really like jumpstart and create change has been met with, to me, the response of like, that's too much. And it's been deeply disappointing to see how little of an effort that there has been by breweries to step up and really want to be part of this and be part of creating change and implementing codes of conduct that you can implement a code of conduct, but it's whether or not you follow it as well. And if these breweries can't go so far as to even create a code of conduct, what are they doing in their walls? I'm hopeful that more places will start to step up. It's been a huge reveal of this kind of collective gaslighting that the industry itself participates in, in perpetuating this narrative of we care but not actually meeting it with action. And that is the heavy lift. And that's the thing that we need because there are myself and Brianne and Ash and several women who are still pushing this forward, but we still have not really been joined by any of the men leaders who can really champion this and any of the people who can really push it because we're tired. <laughs> And we deserve help with the heavy lifting and it's not going to happen on our own. You can have all of the good intentions in the world, but if it's not met with action, it doesn't actually benefit the people that you want it to going that level above and, and not even above because caring is the bare minimum, right? 
And so making sure that you're being intentional and continuous with it. It's not a one-time thing. You don't get to jump in and be an ally once. It's continual work. And in order for things to change and for systems to be dismantled and rebuilt, the dismantling needs to be continuous. Gender inequality persists in most workplaces because oftentimes organisations try to solve the issue only with structural measures, like targeted policies, programmes and training initiatives. But inequality is also created in day-to-day moments and informal social interactions which vary in their magnitude depending on the context. This makes some inequality moments really difficult to spot like asking women to take notes in meetings rather than sharing this responsibility equally among attendees, or making comments about a woman's appearance, which on the surface may seem complimentary, but ultimately have sexual undertones. If left unchecked, these sorts of interactions become accepted, repeated and normalised over time, setting the standard for behaviour at work. Here Katie shares her message to women who might have encountered these experiences. I think the biggest thing is that you are not alone. You are not the only person who has experienced this. You did not bring this upon yourself. The person who has treated you poorly or acted against you is the one who is responsible for it. So do not feel shame for what you have experienced and don't be afraid to speak up and be strong and share your story because that story is yours and no one else's. While hostile working conditions put women at a distinct disadvantage, they're bad for all of us. Research finds that working in a misogynistic work environment has negative consequences for the well-being of everyone within that environment, including the men, even if they're never on the receiving end of harassing behaviour themselves. That includes behaviour considered rude or condescending towards women. When employees see female co-workers being marginalised and discriminated against, their mental and physical health deteriorates, particularly if the organisation doesn't act to correct this behaviour. This makes discrimination, marginalisation and sexual harassment our shared problem to solve. Before you go, just a quick reminder to check out the 100 Actions for Equality campaign, which provides 100 actions that you can take every day to create a more equal working world. Just visit www.100actionsforequality.com. Thank you for tuning into our episode today. If you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.